It has been a dream of mine, to be quite honest, to stand behind this pulpit. So it is an honor to be here. It is a joy. But let me just say one thing before I dive into the text. I love our student ministries. I love it. I don't think that I would stay here for longer than seven years if I didn't. But like, like Zach said, to see that room full two Wednesdays ago, I stood before our students and I said about a sentence then my eyes well, then if you know me, that's not uncommon. Um, and I almost began to weep, and I pulled it back in, and then we kept going. But there was not a chair left unattended. It was unreal. I've never, I've never in the history of College Park Church seen anything like that before in my life at our church. So it's just a blessing to be a part of it, to be a part of what God is doing in our student ministries. But That's not what we're here to do this morning. It's not just to talk about student ministries, although we could for a really long time, and I'm grateful that you care about them. But we're here to get into John chapter 9. This morning we have before us a beautiful narrative. It's an incredible story of a blind man meeting Jesus. And that's what it is. It's a story. It's a story that I hope that we get to see two scenes in, And then we're going to go from there and find out what Jesus might have for us towards the end. I do have one goal for us. One goal. My goal this morning is that we know Jesus is the only one who makes all blind men see. All blind men see. Jesus is the only one who makes all blind men see. Let's pray. God in heaven... We come before you, and we are grateful for your perfect and holy word. We are grateful that we, as a body of believers, get to gather together to sing that you are high and lifted up, that you are shining in the light of your glory. Lord, we believe that truth. We know that it is real and that you are the God who cares about us very, very deeply. Lord Jesus, I pray that the words of my heart and that the meditation of my mouth would be glorifying to you in all things that are said this morning. Would you tune our ears into hearing the word of God this morning, and would it be true of our hearts that we believe? Lord, we pray these things in your name. Amen. So scene one. Let's enter into the story. Scene number one. Jesus knows. Jesus knows. Now, as I said, I love working with students There is a but with that statement, though, right? Sometimes, and students, you know this about yourself, I trust, there are head-smacking moments, what I call them. You have a moment where you're like, did did you really just say that? You couldn't have waited 10 seconds to to just think. Maybe my dad used to tell me this. Did you even think prior to saying that statement? And most of the time it was, no. No, I did not think right? And, and actually, I'm not going to take the blame and just put that on students. We all live that life, right? Can I get an amen with that? We all live that life, right? We sometimes don't think before words just fly out of our mouth. And that's how I enter, I believe, into this scene with Jesus and the disciples. The disciples ask, Rabbi, was it this man's sin or his parents' sin that has caused him to be blind. You see, they entered up onto the blind man and they asked that question right in front of the blind man. It's not as though they waited to pass by the blind man or they saw him from a near distance. They just asked it right in front of him. They just, hey, was it this guy's fault or his parents' fault? 
And that's how they begin this scene. And actually, they're not wrong. They're not wrong for asking that question because that's the way that they were trained. They were trained to think that it would have, would have had to have been someone else's fault, their sin or someone else's sin as a result of the man being blind. And if we actually think about it, we're not too far off from asking that same question. Something bad happens to you and you think, what did I do to deserve such suffering? Or what has happened that I would deserve such suffering? We're not far off from that question. And Jesus, in his perfect Jesus response, says, it was not by this man's sin or his parents' sin, but at the end of verse three, he says this, that the works of God might be displayed through him. It's not a result of the man's sin or his parents' sin, but that the work of God might be displayed through him. Jesus looks at the man's blindness as an opportunity to do God's work, not as a punishment. And it did not happen by just some irrational chance. It happened because it was in God's control. It was, it was in God's control that this man might be used to glorify the Father. Here we see also Jesus restate what in verse 5, what we saw in chapter 8, I am the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. Jesus is working under a time crunch before the cross, and while he is on earth, he wants to shine in the darkness. And that is what he will do with this man's life, both in a physical nature and in a spiritual nature. And he will shine in the darkness. Now, let's look at the miracle. Verse 6, follow along with me if you have your, if you have your Bible. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed. Stop there. What a transaction between Jesus and the blind man. If we can just step aside and just maybe call that, that's just weird, right? It's a bit strange. If, if it's your first time in church and this is the first story you've ever heard out of the Bible, it's okay. It's not all like that, but there are moments that Jesus has with his people that you might just call a bit strange. He sent him on his way to who knows what. He was walking by faith to a pool blindly into, he had no, into what he had no idea. I want you to understand, Jesus does not say, go wash in the pool of Siloam so that you might be healed. He does not say that. He doesn't say, go wash so that your eyes might receive sight. The man is walking by faith. He doesn't know what he's entering into. So can I ask you this morning, is there something in your life that you are not willing to follow Jesus in because you are afraid of the unknown? Is there something going on in your life that you're not willing to follow Jesus in because you're afraid of the unknown? Do you trust Jesus enough to guide the steps of your life that you are willing to follow him blindly? So when that thing happens in your life that is hard, your faith is not in yourself, but it is in Christ. It might be a financial giving situation that you, you have no idea what's going to happen. 
It might be a work decision that you need to follow Jesus in, but you don't know what's going to happen. It might be a relationship that you're in. It might be the lack of the relationship that you're in. It might be a conversation with a friend about who Jesus is. Don't you find it interesting how it's easier to hop onto a plane, travel 17 hours across the world, share Jesus with people for two weeks, and come back and hermit in your garage and in your house. You pull in your garage, you hit the button, you go in, and you never share Jesus with your neighbors. Isn't it interesting how we can do that? Somehow we can hop on a plane and meet someone we've never met before in our life, but we've known our neighbor for eight years, but never talked to Jesus about him. Why are you fearful of the unknown in that conversation? Because you have to see him every day? Well, praise be to God, because you can continue to share Jesus with them, right? What is that thing in your life that your heart is not saying, Lord, be displayed through me? What's that thing in your life? I stood at a hospital bed on Tuesday afternoon and was able to pray, God, would you be displayed through your servant sitting in this hospital bed? Would you do that? And would you allow this man to allow the work that's going on in his life? He has no idea what's about to happen to his body laying in this hospital bed, but God, would you be displayed through him? Can you pray that? about every situation in your life. Can you pray, Lord, be displayed through me? And then at the end of verse seven, so he went and he washed and came back seen. This is what I've dubbed the messy, muddy miracle, okay? The messy, muddy miracle happens. He came back seeing. It's amazing. It's in a life transformation that happens. The man was blind and now he sees. But can I just share with you, friend, there's more than just the physical nature of this story that we're going to look at. So scene number two, Jesus reveals. Jesus reveals. So we saw in scene one that Jesus knows, and now we're going to enter into Jesus reveals. So I live in Whitestown. There's not a whole lot to do in Whitestown. But I do know one thing, and if any of you Whitestowners in this, you're about to know what I'm about to say. Jesus is coming to Whitestown because Chick-fil-A is opening on September 19th. <laughs> you know it. You're excited. I'm excited. Zionsville, don't claim it, okay? It's in Whitestown. I promise. I've checked. I've asked people. It's in Whitestown. So Jesus is coming to Whitestown. And here's the deal. I imagine this happening in my neighborhood. I imagine that there's a blind beggar on the corner of my street. Here's the thing, everybody's gonna know about that blind beggar. And do you know what's gonna happen in my neighborhood? My Facebook page is gonna light up on my neighborhood paper, on my neighborhood Facebook page, because the man now sees. And that's what we enter into now. The neighbors come out. The neighbors come out because the man has been healed. The comments are flowing on the Facebook page. Did, did you see that man? Wait, no, that's not him. That's just a guy that looks like him. No, 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 I'm telling you, it's him. He sees. Well, how does he see? I don't know. Let's go out and ask him. So I just imagine in my neighborhood, there's a gathering of people around this blind man. And they're asking him, how did you see? Who healed you? And, th and they're saying it again in front of this man. And he's like standing over there in verse 9. He says, 
I am that man. That's me. I was the blind man, and now I see. And here's where we see Jesus being revealed for the first time. We see the man proclaim for the first time who Jesus is. It's vague. It's not very eloquent. It's nothing fancy. I imagine my three-year-old, what happens when you get your three-year-old out of Sunday school, right? You take them into the car, and then your first question is what? Hey, what'd you learn in Sunday school today? And it used to be this. I don't know. And you're like, oh, did you even listen, right? And now it's kind of gotten to the, God created the whole wide world, right? Every single time Brindley comes out of our class, that's what she says. God created the whole wide world. I'm like, okay, that was seven weeks ago. Now what are we doing, right? Are we, are we on to anything else other than the Genesis 1? I hope so, right? And that's how I imagine the man. He doesn't have anything. All he knows is that this man, Jesus, verse 11, he simply says, this man, Jesus. That's the first proclamation. That's the first reveal that this man gives us of who Jesus is. This is the only testimony the man can probably provide at the time And family, can I just stop here for a second and say that the man yet again shows faith and courage in the unknown? He does not know who Jesus is. He does not have it all together, and he does not have the perfect summation of Jesus' life. He just knows that his name's Jesus. And yet, he still proclaims. So when you're in that moment and you're sharing Jesus with somebody, And you're like, I don't have the right things to say. It's okay, because it's not on you to change that person's heart. It's a beautiful thing. They ask, where is Jesus? The neighbors ask, and he says, he doesn't know. So what do they do? They take him to the Pharisees, because they do not believe that who this man is could have been born blind and now see. So here's where the Pharisees enter in, verse 13, and they question the healing, and they're going back and forth through verse 17, and they're asking him all kinds of questions, and they're going back and forth, and what happens? They split into two camps. Here are the two camps that the Pharisees split into. The first one is this. This cannot be the Son of God, for why would he heal on the Sabbath? It can't be him. That's not allowed. Camp number two. This cannot be of God, for why would he use a public sinner like him to display the works of God on the Sabbath? A public sinner like him. Can you resonate with that? That's us. Verse 17. So they said again to the blind man, what did you say about him since he has opened your eyes? We also see the man's response to whom Jesus is become a little bit more intellectual. It's the second reveal. A little bit more intellectual, a little bit more precise, maybe a little bit more actually who Jesus is. And he says this, verse 17, he is a prophet. He is a prophet. He doesn't know much more than Jesus' name and that he is a prophet. But what we can conclude from this section is that while the eyes of the man are opening wider and wider to who Jesus is, the Pharisees' eyes are becoming more and more clouded over. The Pharisees' eyes are becoming more and more clouded over. 
of a man who knows nothing of Jesus is being revealed more of who Jesus is, the people who teach the law are actually becoming more clouded over. So let's keep moving on. So think of it this way as we enter into this next little part. So if you're a student and you go to school, you can maybe resonate this a little bit more than maybe your parents did unless your parents were a troublemaker, okay? And don't look at them and ask right now, do that later. I imagine a student being in a classroom and there's maybe someone lies about cheating on a test. It's never happened to me and this isn't a real life situation, okay? Maybe somebody lies about cheating on a test. What happens? Well, the teacher obviously gets involved. And the teacher here would be the neighbors. They, they get involved. And, and then what happens? Well, the teacher and the student can't figure it out. So what do they do? They go to the principal, right? So they go to the principal. And that would be the Pharisees in this situation. So you have the student, the teacher, and then the principal. Well, if those three can't figure it out, then what happens? It's like dum, 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 right? The parents get involved, okay? So now here we are, and the parents are involved. So we have the neighbors, we have the Pharisees, and now we have the parents, okay? So, now the Jews did not even believe that the man was actually born blind. So they call in the parents to see if the man was actually born blind, because they have to figure out if he's telling the truth, because how could a blind man now see? So the parents, in fear of answering that Jesus could have actually done the healing, divert because they're fearful that they actually might get cast out. Because if Jesus would have done the healing on the Sabbath, that means that that's wrong, and therefore they would have been cast out because you can't do that. So they look at the, the Jews and say, well, ask him. He's of age. He, he surely can answer. He, he knows how to speak. And so they keep going on, and the Pharisees call him back for a second time, the blind man, who now sees, and look at verse 24. Here's what they say. Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. Jesus is who they are calling sinner. The very people who are to teach about the coming Messiah are calling Jesus a sinner. And the man responds in verse 25. Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Friend, we worship the God who makes blind men see. Every one of us in this room were born blind. Every single person. Every one of us was born a sinner. You know how I know that? I have a three and a half month old, an almost two year old, and a three year old. My life is busy, but I know we're all sinners, right? Because they make me sin sometimes and I make them as well. I was born a sinner. Now my mom's sitting right over there and she might disagree with me because I am the golden child, right? But we are all born sinners. And I pray, I pray my guts out that my children not stay blind forever. I pray we're a church that cares about the next generation of believers, that they not stay blind forever, and that we pray our lives away, that people will come to know Jesus. Why? Because it matters for eternity. It doesn't just matter for right now. It matters for eternity. 
It matters that my three-year-old loves Jesus, that the scales be removed from her eyes and that she see Jesus for who he really is. Might this be your testimony? It is mine. If I had to write out my testimony in seven words, here's what it would be. I was blind and now I see. I missed a letter somewhere in there. I was blind and now I, there it is, see. I don't know. We're going to try this one more time. Does it make sense? Pastor Dale Shaw said the other day, not yet. So we're going to try one more time. I was blind and now I see. There it is. Thank you, brother. There it is. Seven words. I was blind and now I see. Might that be your testimony? It sums up everything that you need in Jesus. The Jesus that came to earth to die on the cross for, check this, every blind man. In order that they might see Jesus forever and eternity, that Jesus is the light of the world that is revealed to those who call on his name and trust in him forever. Let's get back into the text. Again, the Pharisees question, verse 29. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why is this, why? This is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. Verse 31. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Here we see the blind man again reveal who Jesus is. It's a little bit more eloquent now, what did you say? And he reveals the Jesus to the Pharisees. That it's just completely changed. For those who wear glasses in the room, I presume that you need those glasses, yes? Yes? I st- I'm in so many stuff. I'm in student ministries, and I talk to our students all the time. I love to interact, okay? And I know it's 8 a.m. on Labor Day, Okay. But for those who wear glasses, I presume you need those glasses, yes? Yes, Yes, thank you. Anyone wear contacts in here, you need those contacts as well. Now, there's like a new thing right now where if you wear glasses, they don't necessarily have prescription, just cool to wear glasses. I don't understand that one. Um, Yeah, don't get it. But regardless, when you take those glasses off, it's a bit disorienting sometimes. You, You might not know where you are or you have blurry vision. What's even worse is if you pick up the wrong glasses and you put someone else's prescription on, woo, right? You could fall over with some of those people's bad eyes, okay? And here's the thing. When we don't have on the right glasses, we aren't seeing correctly. Friend, can I ask you, whose prescription do you have on this morning? Do you have on the prescription that you've created for yourself Do you have on the prescription that you think that you have it all together and that you can walk through life and figure it out on your own? Or do you have the prescription that Jesus has created for you and perfectly for you to walk through life hand in hand with who Jesus is? Are you trying to create a prescription based off of self or are you trying to create a prescription based off of who Jesus is? What we see is the man is beginning to find the right prescription of glasses 
Jesus is being more and more revealed to him. And that is what I pray for my three-year-old. That is what I pray for my two-year-old and my three-month-old. That Jesus continually reveal himself to them. That, That Jesus reveals the perfect person who he is to my children and to our students. That even though we are blind, we are all still recovering sight until one day when we get to see him. So we're going to do something maybe a little bit different this morning. And I just want you to listen to the word of God be spoke over you. Sometimes some of the greatest moments that I have is when someone just sits over me and reads scripture. So I don't know what that posture looks like for you this morning. It might be that you just close your eyes and you, you let the word of God sit over you. It might be that you read along in the text so you can see where you're going, and that's fine. But I want you to listen to this text and see where your heart goes. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I came into the world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt, but now that you say we see, your guilt remains. For some of you, that text hit you in a way that you would have never imagined when you heard it 20 minutes ago. For some of you, you resonated with a different portion of that text because Jesus does something when the word is spoken. If you still have your eyes closed, you can open them. I can imagine the man jumping for joy as Jesus is fully revealed to him. And what does he do? He immediately worships. Immediately. He says, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Friend, is that your heart this morning? Is your heart this morning that Jesus has been revealed to you and you worship? Or is it cold? Who is Jesus? That's what Pastor Eric asked us just a little bit ago. Who is Jesus to you? And if I had to answer that question, I'd go back to an age-old old hymn, an old one from 1989, (laughs) a wonderful, merciful Savior, a precious Redeemer and friend. He's a lamb that rescues the souls of men. Here in our weakness, listen to that, here in our weakness, he finds us. Many of you know that song, and I could not get it out of my mind when I had to ask the question, who is Jesus? He's a wonderful, merciful Savior, a precious Redeemer and friend. It's amazing. The God of the universe loves you. And then there's the Pharisees, right? And we often think, oh, those silly Pharisees, when will they ever get it together? And I often think, that's just like me. Just like me. The ones who called Jesus a sinner. And they ask, do we see? 
do we see? My answer is the only qualification required for sight to be given is a recognition of blindness. The only qualification. But for those who think they can see, there is no hope. Here might be some differences between the blind man and the seeing. If you're blind, you boast in Christ. There's nothing other than Christ. If you're blind, you're humble in heart. You want nothing other than what the Lord has for you. You're dependent on Christ. Or maybe this one, you're low in self. For the seeing person, your boast is in you. You are the man. Your pride is in yourself. And you have a high regard and a high view of yourself. Isaiah 42, 16 says this, and I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know, in a path that they have not known. I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things I do, and I do not forsake them. Do you hear the word of the Lord? I do not forsake them. I lead them. You don't. So where is your heart this morning before the Lord? Is it one that you have your own life together, that you can do it out of all your own control, that you can heal yourself from this blindness? Is that I have it in control and the pride of life comes in, I don't want to give it up. That's not for me. Or is it a spirit of humbleness and dependence? Maybe ask it a different way. What are you doing in life when you see Jesus most fully? What are you doing in life when you see Jesus most fully? Are you in God's word? Are you praying? Are you talking to others about who Jesus is when you see God most fully? Because I can argue that you don't see probably God most fully when you're looking at your own self. What wrong glasses do you have on this morning? Do you have on the glasses that my wealth will cover it up and it will all be okay? that my family will make everything perfect. If I could just get married, it'd be great. For some students, it's like, man, can I just have a friend at the lunch table, please? And can I just say that Jesus is enough in all the situations of your life? That the glasses that you try to put on won't remedy the problem? There's only one thing that will remedy the problem, and that's the recognition that you are blind and in need of a savior, and his name's Jesus. Jesus came to give light and to be light so that all might see, including me. You are blind so that you might see, and seeing is knowing that Jesus is the light of the world and nothing else. Nothing else. Jesus is the only one who can make all blind men see. It's incredible that the God of the universe takes a man who's both physically and spiritually dark in darkness, a nobody, a somebody on the street, and says, no, 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 my, my friend, this is for you. And he reveals himself to the blind man. Both, what's more important is that he says, I believe. And so my question is, when you heard that text, when Jesus asked the question, do you believe? Do you believe in the Son of God? that came to take away the sin of the world. 
For the believer, can I say to you, that is to be shouted from the rooftops. A couple of weeks ago, I met a young man who had come back from Twin Lakes camp. And his dad, when we and I were talking, and he said to him, hey, tell him what happened to camp. He's like, oh yeah, I went down the zip line. It was perfect. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. And, he, and his dad's like, no, 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 not about the zip line. Don't tell him about the zip line. He's like, oh, 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 the canoe trip? I'm like, what? Well, the canoe trip's great. That's fantastic. He's like, no, tell him what happened. And he sheepishly kind of goes, I got saved. And I'm like, ah! Right? And I give him this kid a huge hug. And I looked at him and said, you ought to shout that from the rooftops that you got shaved. Saved. <laughs> He's only in fifth grade. <laughs> hey, you got saved. And friend, if you're a believer in here, you need to shout from the rooftops, I was blind and now I see. Jesus has revealed himself to me. For the unbeliever in here, you don't know who Jesus is. You think you see, but you don't. Can I ask you to submit your life to the lordship of who Jesus is in all things and in all ways? The song, the old hymn from 1989, closes like this. Almighty, infinite Father, faithfully loving your own, here in our weakness, that's beautiful, here in our weakness you find us, falling before the throne. The man was found in his weakness and he fell before the Lord to worship him. You are the one that we praise. You are the one we adore. You give the healing and grace our hearts always hunger for. And so can I ask you, friend, this morning, does your heart hunger for Jesus, the one who makes all blind men see? Let's pray. Father in heaven, would you give us grace as we go? Lord Jesus, would you allow the scales of our dirty, nasty heart to just fall off and that everything in our life would be Jesus? Would we shatter from the rooftops, Jesus, you're enough. Jesus, you are good. Jesus, you are great and amazing and an infinite loving Father. Father, would you change the hearts of the people in this room to be more dependent on you in all ways and all things. Lord, thank you for giving us this time in your word. We pray all things in your son's name. Amen.